But good design isn't necessarily just the visual component. It's, you know, and I've learned a lot over, you know, the past 20 years of, you know, stumbling through clunky UI patterns that I've made and just how, you know, invisible interface kind of needs to be to, to be good design. Welcome to the What is UX podcast, the show where we interview design leaders about their journey and experience so that you may learn from them. I'm your host, Peck Pompat. Welcome to this episode on What is UX, where we interview amazing design leaders who worked at some amazing companies. In the past, we've had folks from YouTube, Netflix, uh, Google, and many others. And uh, I'd like to make, give a shout out to one of our earliest reviewer on, on the Apple podcast rating system. Thank you, Amish Lin. Shout out to you. Amazing podcast to listen to while designing. Love all the thoughtful questions and discussions led by Peck in these conversations with an immensely diverse and broad cast of UX and product design leaders. And on this episode, we have Michael Ernst, who was the former lead designer at Yelp. So this is in the vein of, you know, kind of early stage unicorn companies. I'd love to hear, you know, as a big time Yelp user, and my wife was previously a Yelp elite member, and we had uh, great, great experiences with Yelp. I'd love to learn the story of the, and what happened to the design of Yelp. So welcome to the show, Michael. (laughs) Great. Yeah. Happy to be here, man. Yeah. So, so tell us, you know, what, what was your role there during the early days? So during the early days of Yelp, just kind of like any early stage startup, you, you have to do a ton of things. So my official title was lead designer, but you just sort of jump in and start doing whatever's necessary from, you know, designing logos to (laughs) marketing collateral to hard coding the weekly Yelp in HTML, which I did for, man, it must have been like 10 months of my start there. So (laughs) just whatever you need, they have you do. So So generalist designer, essentially. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. How many people was, was it by the time you got there and how many designers? There were no designers and I was either six or seven. It's kind of a a bit of a contest that Nish Nataraja, our marketing director, and I kind of (laughs) have. One of us us was six, one of us was seven. So essentially Yelp's first and only designer at the time. Yes. And I would go on to be the only designer for four and a half years, which in retrospect was a lot to to deal with, but it was it was a cool experience. That that's really cool. I didn't realize that they kept uh, the design that lean for so long. Yeah, I I think one of the reasons was we eventually after about a year we we hired a bunch of product manager like three or four product managers by the time I left, and you know I would work with them designing. In we designed in Fireworks at the time, which was a macromedia product. It was kind of like Photoshop Lite. But you know, after designing by myself for so long, I had kind of set up this framework that just allowed 
me to kind of hand off mock-ups to the product managers and they could tinker with it and then give it back to me and I would polish it. And so, yeah, we, we worked out a good system as, you know, me being the only designer. Backtracking, how did you even hear about this job? How did you get recruited? What even appealed you to this? <laughs> sure. So I had actually moved to San Francisco and was not really interested in working in the tech space all that much. I had a ad agency background and really wanted to continue with that. I'd interviewed at a few ad agencies in San Francisco and it was, you know, 2004, so the economy was pretty bad and I just ended up designing like flyers and stuff for this party planning outfit that my friends had put together and met Jeremy Stoppelman at a charity event uh, kind of randomly. And, you know, he had seen my work that I had done for the party planning stuff. And he was like, oh, I, I like your stuff. Why don't you come in and interview with us and see how it goes? And I was super hesitant. I was like, I don't know, this sounds risky. But I was, you know, I was 23, 24, something like that. And the promise of like, kind of designing this company from scratch really was an allure to me. So I, I decided to, to take the leap and, and go for it. Yeah, you, you really learn so much when you're, you join an early stage in the sense that you, have, you get breadth of work versus being really siloed. To, you know, if you go to a mature company, you know, I've had friends who you know, won't know, name the name of the social network, but essentially you know, they, they only worked on the feed, for example, for the whole time they were there, which was about four years or something. And, uh, you know, if you go to a really mature company, you can kind of get pigeonholed like that versus, you know, when you go much earlier, you kind of, if you're looking for variety and you're looking to learn breadth, I think that's a good place to, to go. Yeah, definitely. And Yelp was an ex extremely like fertile breeding ground for that because I had little web experience. I, you know, kind of did a lot of flash sites, taught myself a little bit of action script back in the day, you know, worked on very small web projects. So when I got to Yelp, it was kind of overwhelming. I didn't know a ton, but I was so willing to kind of learn and develop the, the website into what it became. But basically, I learned all of my skills or, you know, developed a lot of my skills on the job. It was just me and we had a product manager in the beginning, but there was a bit of drama there when she left. And so then Jeremy and I basically ran product for about a year. And, you know, I just had to teach myself best practices and UI patterns. And, you know, I stumbled pretty hard along the way, but, you know, eventually got there with with the help of our like engineering team, you know, we got like good feedback from our Yelp elite who are, you know, pretty vocal users. And eventually, like I said, we got product managers hired on and they were excellent and really kind of ramp, helped me ramp up my skills. Tell, tell us about the design process there, especially, you know, maybe in the really early days and then, you know, towards the end, closer to year four, what that looked like. Yeah, definitely. We were in an incubator. So that that meant that there were two other companies in the office with us. And, you know, it got a little cramped at times. We had dogs in the office and, you know, all the startup cliche. But yeah, originally, 
it was Yelp was a email recommendation site. So you would email all your friends for recommendations to, you know, your uh, doctor or restaurant or, you know, whatever you were looking for and people would write a review and then email it back to you. And so we found right away that, you know, people were more interested in, in writing those reviews and, and getting credit for those reviews. And so that was kind of my first experience in pivoting with a product. And we were like, okay, let's actually focus on people writing these, these really great reviews and kind of highlighting their neighborhood. And so that was my first real experience shifting what the user experience was going to be. You know, we went from email recommendation to full kind of, we called it a micro blog back in the day and it probably dates me a little bit, but yeah, we would just figure it out as needed. We would, Jeremy would go have talks with, you know, one of his board members or one of the VCs and he'd come in the next day with like scratchings on a napkin and that was our wireframe and I would just sit there and, you know, move things around in fireworks and <laughs> see if I could solve the problem correctly. I didn't realize it was, uh, it started out as a newsletter. So many things start out as email. I think, I believe Angel List started as an email list and that's why it was called Angel List. And then even Product Hunt, I think. It's interesting what the uh, quote unquote MVP of certain products look like and people immediately want to build an app when really sometimes, or website when sometimes it's like to really, if, if it has legs, like people will use it even if it's an email. Yeah. And I, I think at the time in like, you know, 2004, you know, the vehicle of email was, was pretty, pretty efficient, I think, to kind of get people hooked into a product. Now, you know, you have so much more noise, you know, so many more products being, you know, sent your way. But at the time, it was a bit less noisy in that space. So it, it seemed like a good start. But yeah, people really, writing reviews really resonated with people. Yeah, that, that seemed like it was like a core, core unit or core object in Yelp. Yeah, and we worked really hard to kind of build that out and make that the focus. Like a lot of the UI that we did on the homepage was, you know, kind of steering people to write reviews. And we had like review of the day where we would highlight people for their excellent review that we would sort of curate on the back end. And yeah, it just, you know, we found that there was this really small subset of power users that would drive a lot of the content. And yeah, that was, that quickly became our sole focus. And in terms of, so like, were you getting any, like, were you talking to any of the users? You know, was Jeremy driving a lot of the products himself? And you, you mentioned the board and how did that work? Yeah, I think with any early stage startup, you know, you kind of, um, you, you know, rely on on your advisors and stuff to to make product decisions. And we would listen to a lot of people. We eventually we had a spreadsheet of user feedback that we kept, where Yelp Elite would always kind of either write in or at some of the parties that we would throw, people would always come up to us and, and give us feedback. And so we were always writing stuff down to kind of 
keep in mind. But yeah, I, I think in large part, like Jeremy drove a lot of the product decisions and he was... I, I give him a lot of credit for having, you know, good instincts on balancing all of the sort of outlets that, that he listened to. I'm sure Yelp has changed a lot now, but kind of in the early days, what what was the Yelp experience like? You know, because it's, just, you know, if you're a young, I would say millennial, you're probably too young for the early days of Yelp. But and when you go to Yelp today, it's pretty full featured, right? So what did the early Yelp product when you finally had a website look like yeah it was it was a bit messy the colors were a bit loud and it took me a little while to kind of sort through you know what colors were better for ui and what were better for marketing and like i said our homepage we kind of highlighted all these different things and it was a bit much but eventually we tried to you know whittle it down to getting people in, writing reviews. We developed our search page pretty heavily for a couple of years. You know, we had different, we had a thing called Maptastic, which, you know, allowed people to move the Google map and browse and it would dynamically change. But then we also had direct search and eventually we merged those two. And that's sort of how it exists now. But Yeah, just kind of, we played around with different formats of like our newsletter, how we highlighted people there. And then of course, you know, we were one of the first companies to kind of take things offline and do these Yelp Elite parties where we would have events at local places that were big fans of Yelp or had good reviews or, you know, we're just starting out and wanted to kind of get in on the action of, you know, our startup scene. And so we would pile people in, we'd have, you know, alcohol and food sponsors, which was always cool. Uh, So every event was always different, but yeah, people got really excited to be Yelp elite. You know, some of the venues were small, so there was like this exclusivity kind of element to it, which was really nice. And it, really drove people to to want to write more reviews and kind of get in this little club that we had formed and participate in these fun events and you know we were always there so it was fun to like meet the users and meet the Yelp elite and talk with them about how excited they were about the product and it was kind of a a special time it's not something I've seen you know replicated in the way that it was with Yelp. It just, I don't know, maybe just because it was early and I was a part of it, it felt more special, but it was definitely a cool uh, cool thing to go to these events. Yeah, how, how did that idea come about? That was all Nish. Like I said, Nish Nataraja was our marketing director and he came up with that idea of this, you know, exclusive sort of club, if you will, that the rules were never hard and fast there were always just sort of you know this kind of haziness around or this black box around how you become elite and what you need to do and like people would always come up to us and ask us like how many reviews does it take and it's (laughs) there, there was never like a simple answer it was just like maybe you could be active on talk and on our talk boards and recommend a lot of things and maybe you don't you know you only have 10 reviews but you're an 
active member, like complimenting people and voting on things. And we, we had a lot of mechanisms on the site that you could be interactive with the community without writing a ton of reviews. And for those of us uh, who don't know, what was some of the benefits of being a Yelp Elite member? Well, I had a lot of fun designing like all this kind of swag that we gave away, like, you know, t-shirts and buttons and stickers and pens and stuff like that. Eventually, like I got to illustrate like this whole lunchbox that was probably one of the most, you know, intricate and expensive Yelp Elite gifts that we made. But so there was that component. And then, like I said, there was this sort of component of we would limit the lists on some of these places. So, you know, sometimes it was like a new bar or restaurant that had just opened. And like people who were Yelp Elite and got on the list early were sort of privy to, to getting in to this event early that and get a first look at these local businesses that not everybody got to see right away. Yeah. That, that you, yeah. More exclusivity. Um, yeah. We go ahead. Yeah. We de- Oh, we definitely leaned on that to like, yeah. Drive this kind of excitement around it. Yeah. yeah I'm using internet archive to, to look at some of the, features and the design from way back in 2005 even and no no no, no it's really cool well one one thing was uh that, that kind of strikes me was that and this was trendy then was to make the site fixed width right like not to scale you know and be responsive if you will right i think there was a time when fixed width column sites were were like the norm the practice right I, Yeah, definitely. There was no responsive, you know, mobile was just a new thing. We had designed, I think, of a WAP version of our site for Palm at one point, you know, that was our first venture into mobile. And then, you know, once the iPhone sort of hit the scene, everything changed. But yeah, it was all very, man, 860 resolution, I think. People are like, what? My, my Apple Watch has higher resolution than that. I, I see that there's even like, there are already things like where you can make a reservation already, even by then, as early as then. You also had sponsored results. So it sounds like there was, you know, very early on a business model. Yeah, I think once we pivoted to highlighting people's reviews, the business model really came into to sharp focus and our growth took off very fast. It was, it almost spoiled me in a way because it was my first experience, you know, designing for a tech company. And it just, the growth was so fast. And I just thought that's how it worked. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it always amazes me where some people like yourselves or who are lucky enough to experience like, yeah, on your first rodeo, it's just explosive growth where some of us have just like, definitely experience, you know, designing and working at a company that may, may not have, that's not the norm, right? Most companies don't just have explosive growth. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, I would find that out later at some of the subsequent startups that I worked for. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, that, that ruined you. A little bit, a little bit. Well, Tell us about some of the iPhone experience. That must have been pretty cool because I remember, yeah, Yelp was definitely one of the early iPhone apps, if I'm not 
if I'm correct. It was. And un unfortunately, I didn't get to do too much work on the first iteration of the Yelp app. I think the, I the first iPhone had come out about four or five months before I left Yelp the first time. And basically, you know, Apple was always really good about having their own sort of set of constraints that they implemented for the UI. And I think, you know, one of the things that I've sort of was proud of that I did at Yelp was developing like a good visual kind of framework and like language around how Yelp looked. And so, you know, our product managers are kind of able to, to take like our, you know, bright, shiny stars and drop those into the, the Yelp app and like just our compliments and, you know, just overall just look and feel it's sort of blended well with that first iPhone iteration. So it was just kind of, you know, we just sort of shuffled it out the door, you know, just sort of new to the whole experience of designing for, for iPhone. But yeah, unfortunately I didn't get to touch too much on that when I, so I went back to Yelp in 2012. I got rehired to work on a lot of different uh, graphics and upgrade a lot of things that I had originally designed. And, and I got to work on more things, you know, with regards to the iPhone app at that point. There's a lot more fun stuff that I could do. I designed this fun Easter egg where in the settings, if you scroll all the way to the bottom, there was like a hamster on a wheel that was animated and did like all kinds of fun stuff like that. So as I went back, there was definitely more interesting iPhone UI that I could work on. Oh, very cool. And uh, did you, I assume you also worked on some of the UI and workflows for the business. You tell us about that or, or also was there any tools or in-house kind of interfaces for maybe kind of like the salespeople or, you know, Yelp as well, you know, to run the business, stuff like that, that really often doesn't get talked about. Yeah. Yeah. There was this whole sort of component of uh, Yelp for business owners. And, you know, it was kind of this early idea that, you know, people were writing all these reviews and maybe sometimes their experience you know, wasn't reflective of the local business on the whole. And so we wanted a way for business owners to sort of respond to reviews. We wanted them to see their kind of own analytics on their individual pages. So we built out like all of this kind of backend stats for them to look at, you know, just able for them to kind of see into the Yelp world. And yeah, if they signed up for advertising, they could control what the messages were. They got to sort of adjust their payments on that platform and stuff like that. So yeah, there, there was a whole backend kind of ecosystem for the business owners that we put together that from what I remember, they, you know, they really, really enjoyed that kind of experience of being able to weigh in on the site. Yeah. Oh, thank, thanks for giving us an overview on, on some of the stuff there. I know kind of when, when we were talking in privately, you mentioned that you're, you were willing to share some of, some of the, maybe kind of like the dark times during your, you know, early design career. Can you talk about that? 
Yeah, the the less glamorous side of startup life. Yes. <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it was just one of those things where, you know, I, I'd come from Wisconsin and drinking culture was, you know, pretty big there. And, and once I got to to Yelp and startup life in general, there, there just is a lot of, you know, there's always people going out to meetups and a lot of drinking there. And then, you know, like I said, with, with the Yelp elite, we always had alcohol sponsors. We always were throwing parties. We were always kind of out being social evangelizing Yelp. So I think one of the things that probably derailed my career a little bit was just getting too heavy into the drinking scene and, you know, just unfortunately being too much a part of that fun element of startup life where, you know, we had kegs in the office and it just, you know, if, if I could give any advice to, to young designers is just take it easy on that front because yeah, it just, by the end of my time at Yelp, I had really gone from alcohol abuse to alcohol dependency and and just really had a hard time controlling it and stopping it and and I think it it sort of led to me you know just sort of kind of abandoning my responsibilities as a designer there I would just kind of offload a lot of stuff to the product managers and just you know kind of checklist it off after they were done and be like yeah that looks fine but I wasn't fully, you know, present, wasn't fully responsible and just sort of, yeah, let the drinking kind of get too far carried away. So much so that I ended up in in rehab twice. And one of the times was when I went back to Yelp, I had sort of tried to curb my drinking a bit, but, you know, just all of the history behind it, behind working at the company, I think, weighed on me and you know just once you slip into dependency it's hard to kind of come out of it but you know Yelp was great they had a good insurance plan when I went back and so I you know went and got the inpatient help that I needed and, but yeah once I came back fully sober I was like kind of really ready to to do the early stage company again and so I left Yelp for the second time but yeah and I've been sober for eight years since. Congratulations. Did you hear about others kind of who might have gone to the same situation? Because, you know, the kegs and stuff was, it was just so readily available and so part of the culture. Did you, you know, were there any other people who, who you found out or? Not specifically at Yelp, but I've definitely since kind of, you know, coming out with my addiction and, and really facing it head on. I've found that there are a lot of people in tech that have kind of struggled with their own sort of demons and, you know, had to deal with the, the sort of heavy drinking culture in, in Silicon Valley. But, you know, like I said, if this story that I'm telling kind of helps one other person, it's definitely worth it for me to share. Yeah, I appreciate that. I, I personally have not experienced, I've done a few startups and have been involved and um, not so much alcohol, but Maybe the, the, maybe another ism was like workaholism. You know, I've certainly been in, in, like I was part of the first, I would call it the first dot-com wave. I graduated right around that time. And yeah, there was situations where we were working so much, you know, like six days a week, seven days a week was the norm. 
kind of startup life during the first dot com. You know, there were you hear those startups all you know at the time it was hot like you throw an E or an I on any business plan, right? And, and they were getting millions and then they would just spend millions, but they would expect you to work like, like a horse. And, you know, there was definitely a culture where, you know, if you left early, it was frowned upon or you wouldn't make it. And it was, yeah, to a certain, to some point it celebrated and that definitely wasn't healthy. Yeah, there was, I mean, definitely in, in every startup I've been in, there's some sort of element of that. And I think, you know, there's usually certain people that kind of lead that charge to down the path of workaholism a bit. But, you know, by and large, you know, Yelp was, Yelp was pretty reasonable in terms of what they expected out of us. And, you know, in the early days, it was always kind of crazy you know we were in the office till 10 sometimes like pushing you know code out (laughs) out the door to you know just try and make sure everything was working properly but as as things grew and we kind of matured as a company that that sort of became more rare i think Oh, that's great to hear. It, it sounds like where you're working now and a lot of companies now, you know, and, and founders uh, sometimes, you know, they, they, they work real hard, they have success. And then maybe their next company has more to do with mental health and your well-being. You're working now at a company kind of sort of in that area. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I will. Actually, I recently left that company. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And to bring my full circle, Jeremy Stoppelman is an investor in a company called Daylight. And I am actually starting next week as lead designer there. So I'm taking another stab at kind of this early stage roller coaster ride. It's a app where you can sort of get on and if you're a coach or an instructor of any kind and do online coaching and learning and, you know, just really uh, chat with people over text and video and do like video annotation. So that it's kind of a interesting story arc that, that Jeremy is <laughs> involved in, in my next venture here. Yeah. Yeah. It, it seems uh, maybe, maybe the threat is not Yelp, but really Jeremy, you keep going back yeah. to him. <laughs> He might be. He might be. We're we're inextricably linked somehow. Very, very cool. Is this kind of like 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 fitness coaching or like more like you know professional coaching? What sort of coaching are we talking about here? So one of the verticals that we're starting off in is more sports oriented. We have like tennis coaches and climbing coaches and you know sort of stuff like that that we're kind of trying to start off in and see how like people respond to learning these skills via an app. But like I said, it's extremely early stage. We're, we're in our seed round. There's, I think, five of us now at the company. So it, it seems to be the ecosystem that, that I thrive in. <laughs> deja vu. Yeah. Yeah. Well, deja vu all over again. Well, well, some, sometimes, you know, that that's what you go around, right. And you try all these different things as a journey of a designer or, or a career. And then you find, you, you, you find out maybe, Hey, what, whatever you tried first was what you like. And then you're, you're back to doing more of that. Right. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's going to be 
uh, a bit of a tough road for us to find product market fit, just like any early stage company. I'm not getting any younger, so that's going to be interesting to see how <laughs> a really early stage company beats me up a bit. But yeah, I do enjoy it. I like the ownership over the design. I like the ownership over, you know, thinking through the the UI and, and how people use kind of a new product and, you know, how we shape new behavior is always super fascinating to me. And yeah, it's exciting when it works at companies like Yelp. But, you know, it's always a learning experience when it doesn't work at some of the other startups I've worked at. And I'm curious to, to see how this one pans out. Yeah. And, you know, I think with some of the experience here, you know, as you get, you, you mentioned like, Hey, you're not as young as you, you, you are. And my thought was, well, you, you have a lot more experience, right? So, you know, maybe what in the early days for, for us, you know, we tried to brute force this because we didn't know and, and Yelp was in a unique category of its own, but nowadays, you know, there's, there's a lot of established patterns and apps like you're not you're definitely not starting from scratch you know there's there's many companies kind of within this zone right so you could probably take a look and you're certainly more experienced and seasoned designer right so you're not again you're swapping like just raw energy and brute force with a lot more experience yeah hopefully i won't be stumbling over you know some of the simple ui problems that i struggled with so many years ago <laughs> I, I highly doubt it and how how do people uh, get in touch with you michael i have my website at michaelernst.com and all of my social handles are at being ernst a little play on the importance of being earnest <laughs> That's awesome. I, I love WordPlays in case people don't know. My company name is impeccable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, I asked earlier and it wasn't a good place, but, you know, given your design experience, you know, but how would you define good design? Oh, yeah, that's that's something that's definitely evolved for me over the years. You know, as someone who started off in a visual design capacity, I've, you know, always sort of took this stance of like, oh, it, it has to look elegant and it has to look pretty and, you know, it has to be shiny. And <laughs> But good design isn't necessarily just the visual component. It's, you know, and I've learned a lot over, you know, the past 20 years of, you know, stumbling through clunky UI patterns that I've made and just how you know, invisible interface kind of needs to be to, to be good design. And in, in my opinion, if you notice what's going on too much, then I, I think, you know, the design has kind of failed a little bit. I think as we, you know, use more and more apps and, and things get developed in different ways, like we're constantly interfacing with these things and, and it's, you know, it, it just has to be seamless. It has to be, unnoticeable to us just to accomplish whatever task you know we're doing whether that's catching an uber or ordering food or you know writing a yelp review yeah i think design especially i think during apple's like ridiculously skeuomorphic days right different design the visual design was really in your face right like i think maybe that informed some of your earlier good design thing, you know, definition, kind of like mine, it was kind of went through those days. And now if you look at 
the apps today, they're, they're much more muted, right? They're almost always white interfaces with, and they try to get out of your way and, and just focus on the value. Yeah. And that, that understated quality, I think is what makes anything uh, well-designed. Yes. Skeuomorphism, I think almost ruined my career. I got really heavy into it. I, I really liked it for whatever reason as a, you know, somewhat starting as a graphic designer or web designer. Um, and what are some resources that you lean, leaned on for design? Um, I would say I'm a big fan of just downloading everything you can on your phone. I know that's it probably messes with your whole system, but as a designer, it's just like, how much research can you do? And how can you fill your time with trying to understand the interfaces that, that you're designing and always be kind of looking at things, uh, whether it's apps on your phone or, you know, one thing I love to complain about is, you know, like television or streaming interfaces are always kind of an interesting challenge to observe interfaces in vehicles and, you know, other electronic devices like, like Sonos and stuff. I'm always kind of complaining about <laughs> what they're doing wrong and stuff like that. So I think just, you know, I mean, there's always great resources like, like Dribbble. And I know Instagram always has a ton of UI examples that they like to highlight and stuff like that. But really the best thing I've found is just solid research on what already exists and just download as much as you can and, and use it and try and break things and, in you know on in unique ways i guess on your own i totally agree i think it's that insatiable curiosity to just download a lot of apps and, and try them out and and looking at competitors and just being open you know i i always i used to have a really good habit of just constantly downloading the top apps just to kind of see what what makes them tick yeah definitely yeah and then also being very aware of what's happening, right? If you're find yourself addicted to an app, right? What's what's going on there rather than being like this passive participant of it, right? Just being present and, and really understanding what's happening to you, right? Instead, instead of just being like the object of the addiction, being kind of like stepping out and seeing what's going on here with this app. Yeah, like what components are hooking me at every turn? <laughs> Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. I, I think that's that's a good practice. Well, thank you so much, Michael. It's been a great journey into a great blast from the past for me as, you know, kind of an early user of Yelp to have you on the show and, you know, a unicorn company and everything. Yeah, of course, man. Thanks for having me. This was uh, fun to walk down memory lane. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us on this episode of What is UX? If you like this episode, be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. If you leave us a review, I'll make sure to shout it out on the show. If you have any questions, send them to questions at whatisux.co and our guest and I will try to answer them on the show. And you can always find us on whatisux.co. See you on the next one. <laughs>